This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about management with a government executive who is changing the way government does business. The Business of Government Hour is produced by the IBM Center for the Business of Government, which was created in 1998 to encourage discussion and research into new approaches to improving government effectiveness. You can find out more about the center by visiting us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. And now, the Business of Government Hour. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and managing editor of the Business of Government magazine. Information technology enables government agencies to deliver mission services. Challenging budget times underscore the need to drive innovation and efficiency in government, and IT can help. Advances in technologies such as cloud computing and agile development are transforming how IT services are delivered, consumed, and how they can help save money. The use of government-wide acquisition contracts can support federal agencies in meeting their mission and being more efficient. What are the key priorities for the National Institutes of Health's Information Technology Acquisition and Assessment Center, NITAC? And how does NITAC assist federal agencies to accomplish their mission? We'll explore these questions and so much more with our very special guest, Rob Cohen, Director of the National Institutes of Health's Information Technology Acquisition and Assessment Center, NITAC. Rob, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Well, thank you. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Tom Berkey. Tom, welcome. Thank you. So, Rob, would you tell us more about the history and mission of NIH's Information Technology Acquisition and Assessment Center, NITAC? Um, So the NITAC program uh, started back in 1996 with the passage of the Klinger-Cohen Act. Uh, That's an OMB initiative, which, uh, you know, they enacted in order to speed up the process for procurement of information technology. Um, So the NIH, uh, prior to that, had held uh, several large IDIQ contracts for information technology, and then OMB approached them to take on a pilot role to try to set up some contracts that could be used by the entire federal government with those built-in flexibilities and uh, efficiencies so that agencies all across the government, including DOD, could place task and delivery orders against those IDIQ contracts in order to the, the main emphasis was to speed up the acquisition process. They were finding that by the time the procurement process went through for IT, the IT was obsolete. Um, so this was an initiative uh, back in 96, which really got a lot of attention and, and a lot of attraction. So we were one of the three pilot agencies that started this up. So we uh, rolled out these large IDIQ contracts for $20 billion dollars. Um, awarding them to uh, very capable, very competent contract holders who were able to uh, meet those needs for all of the federal government, not just NIH. And can I just uh, clarify, what is an IDIQ? So it's an indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract, which means that a contract holder would get an award on that vehicle, uh, and basically it is a a mechanism for them to be able to sell uh, all different kinds of IT for lots of different task orders. So basically it's... uh, Similar to like a schedule, but IDIQs are set up in that they have a fixed set of contract holders who have gone through rigorous source selection process to prove their capabilities. 
and, and to be able to show that they're going to be able to evolve and change and, and, and meet those long-term needs over a five- or ten-year period uh, that the government has. Operationally, how is NITAC organized, the mix and size of its products and services portfolio? What's your overall budget? More importantly, how do you fund your operations? So basically, the funding of our operation is done through the fees we collect from our uh, contract holders through the customer agencies. It's a very minimum fee of a half a percent through one percent of the order, uh, the funded order, because uh, we do not get any appropriated money to run these types of programs. All of the GWAC programs throughout the government operate like this. So those funds are basically captured just to pay for the salary expenses and overhead of of that program. We do not get additional funding from NIH, or, or nor do we take funds that we receive and, and, and give them to NIH. All we are required to do is to, uh, you know, get enough revenue to cover our costs. And at the end of the day, that's, uh, I, I believe that that's a, that's a good shared services model, and it, it really helps support the entire federal government without costing the taxpayer any additional money. And so what is the mix of your portfolio? Could you tell us about the portfolio, the products and services you provide? So we have uh, three government-wide acquisition contracts. Um, we have the CIOSB3, which is the Chief Information Officer Support and Solutions Contract for IT services, more customized solutions for the government some large integrator contractors on that vehicle that provide some very sophisticated IT solutions to the government through task orders. We also awarded uh, last, uh, about three years ago, the CIO SP3 small business vehicle, which is a, uh, a vehicle that's 100% uh, made up of small businesses from all of the different socioeconomic groups, including HubZone and 8A. Uh, service-disabled veteran businesses, women-owned businesses. So that enables those uh, government customers to come to that vehicle and place task orders in the set-asides that they're looking to meet those goals in. So if they're looking to uh, you know, attract service-disabled veteran businesses to meet a certain IT requirement, they're able to come to that vehicle, set it aside for service-disabled veteran businesses, and make an award through that pool of, of contract holders. This has been the first time that that's been done in the government. It's been very successful. We've seen, you know, uh, a, a lot of attention uh, paid to that vehicle, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about the volume that we've seen on that since that's been established. And then just recently, we awarded the CIOCS vehicle, which is a, a Chief Information Officer Commodities and Solutions Vehicle. So all of these vehicles are basically part of our suite of vehicles that support the CIOs throughout the government. This last vehicle is really designed to uh, support the, com the commercial-type items, solutions, services, with an emphasis on cloud and the managed services, those new evolving technologies that the government is looking for. Um, and of course, they, they can still you know, get their general IT products through that vehicle, like uh, laptop servers and, and, and switches and all of those different pieces of equipment. But also, um, there's a large emphasis on, on the software as a service and the, the other types of uh, services that, that can be bought through a managed mechanism that can be done in a fixed price environment. I'd like to focus more on your specific responsibilities as the director of NITAC. What are your duties and responsibilities? So basically, I oversee the program office there at NIH and, and report to the NIH uh, head of contracting, Diane Frazier. And, and part of our focus is to make sure that we're supporting the NIH, supporting the IT needs of the, the National Institutes of Health, uh, as well as the Department of Health and Human Services. As you know, that 
you know, uh, HHS is one of the largest buyers in the federal government. And so they have a lot of IT needs and, and a lot of IT needs that are specific to health IT. So we have an emphasis there in which I focus on making sure that we're meeting those needs. Uh, but the second part of my job is really to uh, make sure that we have setting up a, a customer-focused organization that is there to support the entire federal government. You know, my um, mission and, and, and the vision that I've instilled within our program is basically focused on customer service. We are there to, as, as a service to the federal government, we are there to be a trusted partner with all of our customers, to develop long-term relationships with them, uh, to support them through the uh, procurement process for all of their IT needs. Many of the other types of organizations that uh, are similar to ours are, are maybe a little bit more transaction-based, where they're just there to, you know, put out a vehicle and, you know, provide a mechanism so that they can, uh, customers can come and just place orders and, and, and repetitively place orders. I don't look at our organization as an organization that is a transaction-based organization that's looking for high volume of transactions coming through our contracts. We're looking for customers that need support customers that we can help deliver, you know, innovative solutions to meet their IT needs throughout the government. And so at the end of the day, I look at myself as the director uh, to set those values, those mechanisms in place within our, our office, the efficiencies and the support to lead a group of people who are, are delivering a great deal of value throughout the federal government. So, Rob, regarding your responsibilities and duties, what are your top, say, three challenges that you face in your current role, and how have you sought to address those challenges? So the biggest challenge, I've been in this role for about six years now in various roles within the program. started off as the deputy program director about six years ago and recently, about two years ago, became the director of the program. And, and throughout my tenure there, the focus has always been on, on trying to uh, reach out to this very large, vast federal government that we have and to educate those IT uh, CEOs as well as the acquisition professionals in the government about the GWACs. And it's not just about the GWACs that we manage that, there at NIH, but the whole GWAC program. Work closely with uh, the NASA Soup program and the GSA program um, to try to, uh, you know, just get the word out. I mean, the government is very, very large, and the, the, the acquisition community is, is huge and is, is inundated with an enormous workload. Um, so we're trying to change some buying habits. We're trying to educate them. We're trying to show them that the value in using government-wide acquisition contracts, the efficiencies, you know, the infrastructures that have been put in place over the past 20 years throughout these programs can really help the buying community, can really help the CEOs, you know, meet those challenges that they have and meet them in, a, in an efficient way with, with a lot of cost savings built in because we aggressively... Uh, worked with our contract holders to provide aggressive pricing on these types of solutions that that we're promulgating throughout the government. Just to underscore the fact, the fact that your fee for service really does make you a a, a corporation or, so, or a business, a small business in a sense. I mean, you don't get appropriations. You you really do need to meet your bottom line. Absolutely, I have a budget meeting on a weekly basis <laughs> to make sure that you know we're online. I mean, you know, that there is no option for us to lose money. Yeah. Um, because we cannot lean on any of the appropriated dollars of NIH to run the program. So we need to run a lean operation, and, and, and it's very much based on uh, a continuous uh, process improvement process, uh, change management to make sure that we are continuing to change to meet the needs of the customers and to develop those strong partnerships with industry. And all of that rests on a leadership model, and I want to transition to that because 
Uh, given your experiences, the role you're in now, your previous experiences, what are the characteristics of an effective leader in your mind? So I really think that you know, leaders inspire by action. I think that they instill the values of the program that they're running. You know, they have to have a vision. They have to be able to attract good talent to be able to meet that vision. I'm always looking for people that are innovative and creative, always looking for uh, people that are embrace change. I think that's very important to any organization. And, and I think that sometimes people think I'm crazy because in the federal government, you know, they're not always like pushing for people that are always trying to change things. You know, I'm trying to change things for the better. What are the key priorities for the National Institutes of Health's Information Technology Acquisition and Assessment Center? We will ask its director, Rob Cohen, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How can DOD improve its acquisition processes? Check out the latest IBM Center report, Eight Actions to Improve Defense Acquisition. The authors emphasize the urgency of acquisition reform in DOD, given budgetary constraints and security challenges, finding that DOD will need to gain every possible efficiency while resisting the temptation to buy defense on the cheap. This report continues the IBM Center's interest in better understanding and improving the federal government acquisition process. Download your free copy at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Rob Cohen, Director of NITAC. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Tom Berkey. So, Rob, a lot of folks who are listening are familiar with governmental business functions like finance, accounting, IT, information technology, but maybe not so familiar with procurement as a function. So could you perhaps give us a high-level overview of what procurement actually is? So, so procurement to me is more of a team effort. Um, it takes the program side, it takes the contracting side, it takes the advisors within, um, you know, chief information officers, uh, you know, needs. Um, it, it's, it's really a function that is, is driven by teamwork. Um, there's no uh, central person you go to and say, here's a procurement, go make this happen. Uh, there's, a, there's an awful lot of work that goes into a procurement before it hits the street. Um, there's an awful lot of back and forth. There's a lot of, you know, the, the, the program people are involved, the finance people are involved, the contracting people are involved. Um, so it is, it, is, it is a complex environment within the government in the acquisition and procurement, in the, in, in the acquisition and procurement world, especially when it has to do with IT. Yeah. Because there are so many different requirements that come with IT. There's cybersecurity requirements. There are FISMA requirements. There are you know, a whole bunch of 508 compliance requirements. I mean, there's, it's a very complex environment that we're working in. Um, so one of the things that we try to do is, as, as a program is to provide that support to that team at that agency that's looking to, to meet a challenge. Um, so we're always open to and encourage those, those customers out there to reach out to us and say, hey, we got this challenge, but we don't know where to start. Well, we got this challenge, and we're halfway there. Can you help us? Um, so we have a, a staff of people that are, you know, warranted contracting officers, as well as uh, people who have been working in the IT arena for 20 or 30 years with that experience. And, and we have templates of similar types of transactions that have taken place over the, over many many years. So we were able to provide them that 
um, support. And, and that's really what we're there for. I mean, it's, we're a support organization, and, and we like to spend time with our customers providing that, that support, whether it's a one question you have or whether it's a, you know, a five- or six-month effort that you have going, and we're going to be there to provide you that support, you know, developing the statement of work and developing the, you know, the source selection criteria and how it's going to work. Because, you know, we have built an infrastructure within our program that, that is there to provide that support, and we have that, that in-depth knowledge from many, many years of doing this. And, you know, and that's the type of program that, that I want to run is one that can provide that full gamut of support to, to our customers. And when you say support, you're talking about mission support because what you're, what you're affording these folks who are running programs is an opportunity to focus more on their mission outcomes. Absolutely. Because you're, you're helping them deliver those. So, we're, yeah, we're trying to help them deliver it. We're trying to help them to deliver it on time. We're trying to build some speed into the process. But we're also trying to develop and, 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 and get some, some strong quality into the process. I mean, you know, developing that trust with our customers is very important to us and the integrity of the process um, to, to ensure that, you know, they're getting what they need, but they, they, they trust that what they're getting from us is value. NITAC seems, seeks to be a one-stop shop for information technology, IT acquisitions. Would you briefly highlight your key strategic goals and priorities that comprise the NITAC acquisition strategy? Sure. So, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, that we, we have awarded the CIO SB3 contracts uh, two or three years ago, which was really to focus on the, the more customized solutions and services uh, uh, type transactions that our customers need. Um, so just recently now we've awarded the CIO CS vehicle, which is to address the more tactical IT needs when it comes to cloud and, and uh, uh, type solutions as well as those general product services, related managed services. So we believe that we have built an infrastructure in which any uh, agency can come to us to meet any type of IT. So we like to say that it's everything IT. We're the one uh, shop in the GWAC community that that can provide you with those more complex IT service solutions, but also those more uh, uh, less, less complex commercial fixed price solutions. But on top of that now, we've also uh, developed an assisted acquisition program within our office. And, and that is a program that we have that for those agencies out there who need support from a contracting perspective, uh, that their, their contracting staff may be inundated with an enormous workload, which most of them are. So they'll be able to come to us and ask us, can you help support this acquisition from cradle to grave? Can you help develop the acquisition strategy? Can you help develop you know, the acquisition planning and then do the actual uh, contracting and working with our warranted contracting officers uh, to to award those types of task and delivery orders, so we do believe that we, we've we've come to a point where we have a full program to be able to support every need that a, a uh, an agency may have, and and those those services are available and and they're available to to the entire government to use. You know, some people may need all of those services, and some people may need just some of those services. But we are there to support them with whatever they do need. NITAC is managing the longest-running IT GWAC vehicle in the country. What are some of your lessons learned over the first several CIOSP3 
or SP contract generations that have now been incorporated into the current CIO SP3? Yeah, so uh, we are one of the first GWACs that was uh, created back in 1996 working with OMB. There have been many iterations of those contracts. We are now in the third iteration of the CIO SP3 GWACs. We've learned an enormous uh, about uh, building the infrastructure to be able to support our customers through building IT systems that make it easier for our customers to be able to, uh, you know, get their orders out quickly and, and, and to be able to uh, make sure that the integrity is built into the process by using our IT systems that walks them through every step of the requirement um, and, and, and ensures that they're meeting all the FAR requirements throughout the entire process. But basically, the, the iterations of the contracts have evolved to meet the new and ever-changing IT needs. So that is how we built these contracts. Like the CIOCS contract we just recently awarded has changed dramatically from the ECS3 contract that it's replacing. Uh, the ECS3 contract was mainly focused on selling products and selling those related services and installation services for those types of products. But we wanted to build a contract that would uh, be sustainable and, and relevant for the next 10 years because we see, we see IT changing dramatically. It's not just changing dramatically from year to year. It's changing dramatically from day to day. Um, so we, we, we built in uh, criteria to, to ensure that those contract holders, those 65 contract holders that were recently awarded this vehicle, had to show their relevance and how they can be relevant over the next 10 years to meet those ever-changing challenges that the government has. Um, so, so we believe that, uh, you know, constantly evolving is, um, and as I said, you know, constant change to meet those needs is, is very, very important to, to our program success. Well, Rob, you mentioned that your program is akin to running a business. So a business typically has competitors. And since we're talking about the CIO, SP3 vehicle, what competitors do you have out there? What makes the new uh, generation of this vehicle special? My philosophy is that we really don't have competitors. We have challenges. Um, so uh, if, if you look across the landscape of, of the IT procurement throughout the federal government of, of about $80, $80 billion a year, um, there's about Less than 10% of that goes through all of the GWAC programs Less than 10. a year. Wow. Right. So, uh, so our challenge is and our competition is, is to influence all of those types of transactions that are not going through the GWACs and working closely with GSA and the NASA Sioux program to educate the buying community to show that there is a lot of value in this, and that this is a very valid option for them to look at when they do have an IT procurement come across their desk. So our biggest competitor is the unknown, is all of those um, transactions that are being done through uh, you know, full and open competition and through other mechanisms and, and the other big challenge, and this is a big challenge that OMB has been dealing with for many, many years, is the proliferation of contracting. There's a lot of duplication in contracting out there. Um, you know, there, there are contracts out there that are being built to look just like our contracts at different agencies. So we're trying to educate those agencies and get in, in, in front of them and say, listen, you really don't need to make that, that, that million-dollar investment or whatever it is 
to build in your own vehicle when you could come to our vehicle and I can provide you, you know, all of the things you're going to get from your own vehicle and then some. I can provide you with re re reporting of what you're buying and I can tell you on a monthly basis everything that your agency has bought, who they bought it from and how much they're paying for it. The infrastructure that's been built into these vehicles over the past 20 years provides that mechanism of being able to do that reporting. Mm -hmm. It's very, very difficult for an agency to stand up um, a standalone multiple award contract to meet a certain IT need that they have um, and to be able to, to invest in that infrastructure. You know, although that they, those customers do need to pay a small fee to use these types of vehicles, these government-wide acquisition contracts, it in no way compares to the investment they have to make when they go out there and develop their own, their own vehicles. And, and I don't say that they're doing anything wrong. Uh, they're just doing what they think they need to do in order to meet their, their agency's challenge. So our, um, our goal is to get out there and educate. It's, it's constant education. Rob, what advantage does CIOSP3 have being a solutions contract and by definition allows for both services and products combined while most, if not all, ITGWAC slash IDIQ Cues are strictly services or products-based, but do not allow for both. Right. So when we built our vehicles, we, we, we spent a lot of time going around and talking to our federal customers. We're talking to the CIOs. We're talking to industry, and we're talking to those manufacturers who are developing these, these, uh, these evolving uh, IT um, you know, needs that the government, that they anticipate the government having, or they're basically coming up with the needs before the government even knows they're going to need them. <laughs> um, so, you know, when we did that, we learned that um, building vehicles, they, they need to have an enormous amount of flexibility in them. Uh, customers are looking for flexibility. They're looking to be able to to pool things together and buy things the way they want to buy them. They don't want to have to go to f two or three different vehicles to, to meet a challenge. They want to be able to go to one vehicle and they want to be able to say, on this one vehicle, can I get this, this, and this? The, and, and so we wanted to build a vehicle that allowed them to do it. That's why all of our vehicles are solution-based vehicles. Um, so yes, you can come to the CIO SP3 vehicles and you can buy an enormous amount of labor services for, for, you know, for IT infrastructure or, or whatever it may be, but you also may need to buy the stuff that goes with that in order to install it and, 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 and to make the full solution happen for you. Um, so the, and, and similar to CIOCS, um, in, in a fixed price environment, being able to buy the products but also get the installation, get the software as a service that you want on those products, get, you know, and to build that full suite of a task or delivery order that's going to, you know, to drive efficiencies into the process because, you know, as I said, contracting officials throughout the government have an enormous amount of transactions to process in a given year. And, and if we can build contracts for them that they're able to do it in a more efficient way uh, with those flexibilities built in, that they can add you know, their own agency terms and conditions in there, they can add specific terms and conditions that meet that specific requirement, that's what we're trying to do. The other thing you tried to do and you've done, and you mentioned it earlier, is the CIO SP3 version of the contract, the vehicle, it's the first time you introduced a separate and distinct small business contract option. And I wanted to understand what went into that decision making and how successful has that been thus far? 
So that is something that, as I said, I'm very passionate about the, the, the small businesses because I believe that the engine that drives this economy is small business. Um, and, 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 and all the, the, uh, the, the um, time that I spent at the Small Business Administration became enormously passionate about helping small businesses grow and succeed. Um, so when I came to the program is when we were starting to develop these new contracts. And I said, hey, let's, let's think about uh, developing a separate contract that had a similar scope or the same scope that's just devoted to the small business community. Let's provide a mechanism for our customers to be able to come and decide that this can be met by small businesses and that they're only going to have to compete it within small businesses. But not just small business categories. Let's talk about hub zones. Let's talk about service-disabled veterans. Let's talk about 8As and women-owned businesses and, and be able to build a vehicle that they can come to and go, okay, my agency's short on its service-disabled veteran goals. These are some very qualified businesses who can meet some of these IT needs that we have out there. Let's compete these orders in the service-disabled veteran pool and make awards, and let's make our goals. So we awarded this contract back in uh, 2014, and, and, and uh, we have seen that 50% of the orders that go through our vehicle are now going through the small business vehicle. It's not just 50% of the orders, it's 50% of the dollars. Um, so we're seeing an enormous growth in, in, this, in the small business utilization through these types of contracts because of that. Um, and I think it was just being, you know, taking a bold move and saying, listen, we're going to do this because we didn't know what it was going to, what, what was going to happen. We didn't know that customers, how they, how they were going to react to it. I mean, although we talked to them and they said, oh, this sounds like a good idea. It sounds like a good idea. But typically in the past, it was, you know, 90% of the IT type solution buying was done through uh, other than small businesses. We're seeing uh, transactions go through our small business contract in the hundreds of millions of dollars, um, which is dramatically changing, you know, the buying habits for, and and it's and it certainly helps make the government-wide goal for the small business. Just this past year, the government was able to meet its uh, for the first time uh, its small business uh, goals, and and we like to think that we we played a part in that because we're trying to set up a, a mechanism so that. Uh, you know, make it very easy for those government customers to be able to, to do those set-asides and to get what they need. And for those customers to feel and to trust that when they do that, they are going to be dealing with good businesses. They're going to be good dealing with businesses who went through uh, a very rigorous source selection process to prove that they're able to do this work. Uh, they're not just small businesses out there that are you know, saying they can do this work. They've already shown us that they can do this work. How does NITAC assist federal agencies to accomplish their mission? We will ask its director, Rob Cohen, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. Government leaders and managers face major challenges today, including fiscal austerity, citizen expectation, the pace of technology and innovation, and a new role for governance. These challenges influence how government executives lead today, but more importantly, how they can be prepared for tomorrow. The IBM Center report, Six Trends Driving Change in Government, offers a path forward for government executives responding to the ever-increasing complexity and challenges they face today. Download your free copy at businessofgovernment.org.
Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Rob Cohen, Director of NITAC. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Tom Berkey. So, Rob, you mentioned earlier that uh, your organization awarded the contract on the Chief Information Officer Commodities and Solution, or CIO-CS contract, the GEOAC contract, just recently. Would you tell us more about this program, and how does it provide CIOs with that flexibility you speak of? The CIO-CS contract uh, just recently awarded was was uh, designed to complement the CIO-SB3 vehicles. Um, as I said, the CIO SB3 vehicles are really out there to meet those customized, more complex solutions. The CIO CS vehicle is a commercial vehicle with a fixed price environment um, made up of uh, original equipment manufacturers and value-added resellers that are able to provide not only those those products, about the IT products that, that, that are needed out there, but also we built in uh, something innovative in, in, in developing a more... Uh, off-site type IT versus an on-site model of IT. Uh, so the emphasis here is on uh, software as a service, the cloud type solutions, the managed type services that are coming, uh, you know, that, that enormous amount of talk out there about what this is a big challenge. How are we going to do this? So we wanted to set up a vehicle uh, that, that uh, the government was going to be able to come to to get these needs met. So all of these contract holders had to prove that they're going to be able to provide these solutions over the next 10 years. Um, and, and, and also to be able to provide those solutions that, that, are, that continue to evolve and that the mobility and, and, and all of those different things that come up um, you know, in the cybersecurity arena. Um, so some of the, so, so this, this contract is really about, it's not just about our prime contract holders. It's not just about those 65 prime contract holders who are going to be selling directly to those customers. It's also about developing those relationships with the manufacturers out there. Uh, the enormous amount of manufacturers of software in the cybersecurity arena and, and, and in every type of arena, including cloud, the Amazon, the Oracle, all those different... those. So we, we're spending a lot of time talking to them as well. So it's to develop solutions with those people, those manufacturers, so that they can be able to package those solutions in a fixed-price environment to be able to sell them through our prime contract holders who've developed relationships with those manufacturers um, to meet, you know, to be able to provide those to our customers. Um, because there's a lot of challenges around how are we going to buy this, this cloud? How are we going to buy these managed services? So we're taking on the role in, in the challenge of, of working with those manufacturers to develop a mechanism that those things can be bought. And they can be bought fixed price in, 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 a, in a flexible environment with efficiencies and they can be done more quickly. Um, so that that's basically the gist of that vehicle is really to, um, you know, meet that. I think that 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 challenge that people are really contemplating um, throughout the government within the acquisition in, in IT world. Rob, I've got a two part question here. Um, what can you tell us about the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act? And how can your suite of GWACs, CIOSP3, CIOSP3 Small Business, and CIOCS assist federal agency CIOs respond properly to their new authority? Right. So the, the FATARA legislation just recently passed, and um, it, it provides an enormous amount of uh, empowerment to the CIOs throughout the government. But it also it, it requires those CIOs to be able to report on what, what's being bought, you know, what types of things are being bought from an IT perspective throughout their departments and agencies. So as I said, we've, we have a system built in place called the Electronic Government Ordering System. We call it EGOS. 
And, and that system will be able to capture uh, what, what customers are buying, uh, what they're paying for those items, and who they're buying them from, so that the, we can be able to generate those reports, send them to the CIOs and say, okay, here's everything that you bought through our vehicle. And if they're exclusively using our vehicle, they're able to, we're basically able to do their reporting for them to be able to show every single thing that they're buying so that they can compare what's happening throughout their department. They can make decisions as to maybe we should be consolidating some of these things and, and, get, some, and get some better pricing and, and get some tiered pricing models in here. And, and how can we move this into uh, to, to being more strategic about how we buy things? Um, so, so we're trying to do uh, everything that we can to be able to support those CIOs, to provide them with the data they need in order to meet the FATARA regulation requirements. Um, and, and we'll continue to um, you know, make changes and, and, and do improvements to, be, to meet other FATARA uh, requirements that we don't even know that, that, that exist yet. I mean, um, more and more stuff is coming out on a weekly basis on that. We uh, earlier briefly talked about uh, the new NITAC Assisted Services Acquisition Program. Um, would you like to expand in further detail about the program and, as an example, maybe the uh, the cost of it? I know that's extremely competitive in today's market. Sure. Um, so the Assisted Acquisition Program uh, within our office just recently um, uh, you know, started off as a pilot program to support agencies that really were, came, were coming to us and saying, hey, we really have a need, um, you know, to get the full service of, of contracting to meet these, uh, uh, these challenges we have. We have, these, we have these requirements that our own contracting folks are not going to be able to, to, to handle, that they're inundated with, um, you know, an enormous amount of buying that's out there. IT procurement is, 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 is very complex. Um, so we, we, we started a pilot program and, and took on a group of customers to and set up an infrastructure within our office with highly uh, capable uh, warranted contracting officers who have a specialty in IT. Um, each one of those contracting officers is partnered with an, an IT program person in our office. And they work directly with those customers to develop those requirements from uh, from the beginning of the acquisition planning right through through award and close out of those task orders. Um, so that is, is sort of a separate entity within our program that we've set up, um, and, and we've seen a lot of success with it. We have an enormous amount of interest from the federal government for people wanting to come and, uh, and, and, and use those services. But we're being, you know, we, we, we're, our, our goal isn't to isn't to grow and be this you know huge transaction-based operation where we're just taking on every single assisted acquisition that somebody wants us to take on, um, because because you know our program is based on quality and it's based on on integrity and and we want to make sure that we're, we we slowly grow this process and slowly grow the assisted acquisition process uh, so that every one of those customers who does use this service gets what they want. And, and they get it done in an efficient and, 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 and with speed and, and with accuracy of what they need. Um, so that it takes an enormous amount of day-to-day uh, -day interaction with those customers um, and, and, and working with them to basically get the award that they need in order to get their, um, the work done that they need at their agency. So the fees associated with that are um, we only charge 2%. Um, 
which is a lot lower than a lot of other agencies charge when it comes to assisted acquisitions. But we're not trying to do this to make money. We're just trying to do this to support our customers. Um, and, and, and that, uh, you know, after careful analysis, that's what we found. We, we would need just to support the infrastructure that we have to build in order to do that. Well, Rob, I want to pick up on the concept of growth. And it's my understanding that since its inception, CIO uh, SP3, um, I think it was 2012, agencies have already awarded some $7 billion through your vehicles. Um, do you expect that figure to grow exponentially with the addition of uh, the CIO CS and the assisted acquisition? I do expect it to grow. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, my job isn't to grow this into a $100 billion operation. Um, my goal is to make sure that we continue to support our customers. Um, as I said, we're not a transaction-driven organization. We're a relationship-driven organization. We just want to be there to support those customers who need us and, and that come to us for that support. Um, so, yes, I do believe that the the, the, uh, the as as uh, more and more agencies use use these contracts, um, we find that as one or two contracting officers start to use these contracts within an office, that we see more and more orders, and that's what we want because we want to be able to build relationships with agencies, build relationships with contracting officers and CIOs, um, and but to deliver that quality service at at, at every level. Um, so it's not about you know, you know, the goal isn't to grow it. The, the goal is to maintain and, and provide that customer service, to provide that quality of service, to, to continue to build that trust with our customers. And we just believe that if we continue to do that, uh, then we'll continue to be relevant and be able to support them. Not long ago, federal government agencies were looking for software, inf infrastructure components, and services. Today, they want ready solutions deployable immediately without operational risk associated with knitting these elements together. Would you tell us how your contract and contract holders are positioned to address this new era of IT solutions? So if you look at, look at our contract vehicles, you'll see that um, you know, we don't have hundreds of contract holders on our contract vehicles. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. Uh, when we awarded CIO SP3, we took a two to, two to three year outlook on how we were going to do that. Uh, we received uh, an enormous amount of proposals from, uh, from, from contract holders all over the, the country, um, you know, but they all had different capabilities and, 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 and different uh, experiences. Um, so we spent over a year, uh, you know, making sure that we vetted these companies, that we went through a, a source selection process um, to be able to, you know, get the best of the best. Um, so we believe that our contract holders have, have proven to us and have proven through their experiences and their capabilities and, 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 and met the requirements that we set out in the initial RFP to design a contract that got to, as I said, the best of the best companies out there that are going to be able to provide those best solutions to our customers. Um, so that's how I think that we're able to do that. I mean, we, it's, it's not just about... Uh, you're able to do a certain type of IT. You had to be able to prove that you were able to do, you know, IT in many, many different areas, and you're able to evolve over time, and that you're able to, uh, you know, meet those challenges that maybe we don't even know what they are yet. Um, but to be able to show that you've evolved over time, that you have experience doing that, and that you have an infrastructure within your, uh, within your organization that... Uh, that has proven that it can do this. 
Um, this is similar with the CIO CS vehicle. This is the only vehicle out there now with this fixed set of 65 contract holders uh, that, uh, that have proven this enormous amount of capability that they have to meet these needs. Um, no, none of the other programs out there have that, and we're, I'm proud of that because I, I want to be able to work with and, and build partnerships with those companies who I know and I feel confident in that when they win a task and delivery order for one of our customers that they're going to be able to deliver. I'd like to keep on the CIO CS uh, vehicle, and it's my understanding that it's the first time you offer multiple deployment models associated with that vehicle. Would you elaborate on each of those deployment models and the rationale for using them? Yeah, so that, that that's part of uh, uh, going out and talking with the, the community, going out and talking with the federal government customers. Um, and we found that they, you know, there were, there, there were contracts out there where you could buy products. You could buy the on-premise stuff. You could buy the, the stuff that you can hold and touch and, 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 uh, and, and get it and move on. Uh, but we wanted a contract, as I said, with all of our contracts, is solution-based. Um, so we wanted a contract where you could buy those on-premise type things. Uh, but we also wanted to make sure that we had a contract that was made up of contract holders that could also do the off-premise stuff, the, clouds, the, the cloud solutions, the software-as-a-service solutions, those managed services. Uh, very, very important to us. And, 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 and it's very, very important to us because it's very, very important to our customers because they were finding that they would need to go to one vehicle to buy all of the equipment that they needed, and then they'd have to go to another vehicle to buy the cloud infrastructure and, and, and the, uh, the software in order, to, in order to get stuff done. So we wanted to be able to build a contract that had both of those models built in and had contract holders that were able to deliver both of those models. In every sector of the economy today, we find that access to and immediacy of information is important from buyer and seller perspectives to rip out unnecessary costs. How are you transforming your value model to be more reflective of a real-time information broker slash supplier? So, as I said, we work very closely with not just our prime contract holders and our customers, but those vast uh, array of manufacturers out there in industry. Um, you know, to be able to, to, to develop those types of solutions that our customers are using. But internally within our own program, we're developing our own infrastructure with developing our own uh, CRM uh, systems. We have our own IT systems, uh, you know, ways to be able to, you know, ensure integrity throughout the process of every single thing that we do. Um, so, you know, we're, we're working to get the word out, which we're working with, um, you know, do, doing webcasts and, and, and utilizing our website and to try to, to, to use every type of mechanism that we can, uh, you know, social media and other types of things, um, you know, to try to get that word out so that, 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 that the government knows that that's out there and available for them. Rob, you are in NIH. So um, the next question I have and the next couple of questions I have revolve around health care. Would you elaborate on the vehicles in your portfolio and the products and services they provide that can be used for healthcare-related uh, efforts? So all of the contract holders on all of our vehicles had to prove a domain-specific capability in, in, in healthcare, in health IT. Um, so what does that mean? Um, you know, as, as you said, we are housed within NIH. Our first mission is to support the scientists and the, and the doctors. 
um, in, in, in those health efforts that they have. It's not just NIH, it's HHS, there's the DOD Health, and, and, and many other agencies are involved in the health IT community. Um, uh, so those, those companies had to show that they have experience in dealing with health IT, uh, meeting those challenges in health IT. Health IT is an enormous field that continues to grow. Uh, just recently, I spent some time at the HIMSS conference in Chicago, and um, just talking to those companies out there who are trying to develop those technologies to meet those uh, those needed uh, um, the challenges that the government has. Um, you know, they spent uh, time not talking to a lot of our contract holders at that conference who attend and are very engaged in the health IT community, very engaged with. Uh, CMS and all those different agencies, the uh, um, the Office of uh, HHS, uh, you know, and, and the Office of Health IT, um, to, to, to really develop those relationships to, you know, to understand what are those needs that are coming up with health IT, um, and, and, and as I said, to, to work with those manufacturers of those types of solutions. Um, to ensure that they are available on our vehicles so that our customers can get them. Do you have a sense of what percentage of task orders are awarded uh, are healthcare related? Um, I, I would say we, we do an enormous amount of work with HHS. It's, it's, it's one of our largest customers, and, and, and uh, you know, I would say that uh, 30% or so of that work is done as, is, is health IT related. Um, but also we do an awful lot of work with the, the VHA um, and the DOD, and, the, and, and they have an enormous amount of... Uh, efforts in the health IT arena that they are utilizing our vehicle for as well. How is NITEC using collaboration and partnership to meet its mission? We will ask its director, Rob Cohen, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. In a world inundated with all kinds of information, timely, relevant, and more predictive data can drive better decision-making. Law enforcement agencies are at the forefront in leveraging data and using innovative software to generate predictions that help police prevent crime. What is predictive policing? How can using analytics make us safer? Check out the IBM Center report, Predictive Policing, Preventing Crime with Data and Analytics by Jen Bachner, and find out. Download your free copy at businessofgovernment.org. What do agency leaders need to know about the federal acquisition process? What are some of the key federal procurement trends? And how can agency leaders overcome today's acquisition challenges? Check out the new Center Report, A Guide for Agency Leaders on Federal Acquisition, by Trevor Brown and find out. The report offers practical recommendations for improving federal acquisition. Download your free copy of A Guide for Agency Leaders on Federal Acquisition at businessofgovernment.org and find out how the business of government is not business as usual. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Rob Cohen, director of NITAC. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Tom Berkey. So, Rob, I talk to many of my guests about the use of collaboration and partnerships among agencies and with the private sector to achieve mission results. How are you leveraging partnerships and collaboration to improve operations, achieve program outcomes, and execute on your mission? So... My um, philosophy around this program is all about partnerships and relationships. Uh, you know, my job uh, primarily is to develop those partnerships and, and build those relationships with our customers, with our contract holders, uh, with industry groups, because um, I believe that that is what drives this program's success. 
Um, without the partnership with our customers, without the partnership with our contract holders, we would not have a program. Um, and it's similar to my life at the Small Business Administration. It was very much a public-private partnership with the banking community and the small business community uh, to, to, to bring them together to be able to uh, get what they need. Um, so uh, it's one of the things that I really love about this job is, is trying to be that intermediary that develops those partnerships, that brings people together, that develops those relationships. And, and, and as I said, you know, my philosophy is really not on developing one-time relationships or developing transactional relationships. Um, you know, I really believe that our program is built on developing lifelong relationships, uh, lifelong relationships with our customers. And, and we see that because when, when, when we develop a relationship with a customer, we know that customer. And, and, and we, can, you know, consistently talk to that customer because they're coming back to us on, a, on a back every single time they have an order they're coming back to us or, or even if they have a question that doesn't have to do with an order we have uh, you know we're trying to uh, you know to be able to provide the, that gui- that guidance and that knowledge um, to you know to procurement world um, whether it's uh, through the through private sector or through government uh, and to be able to just uh, you know be a support mechanism um, for for the for the government and, and, and for industry, um, and as I said, I can't stress enough that uh, you know that the, the partnership aspect of what we do and the relationship building that that we do um, is, is 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 essential to the success of this program. And that's and, and and that's you know I stress you know that in customer service to the staff, um, and and they all understand that they all understand that you know customer service is not just about answering somebody's question and moving on to the next one. Customer service is about answering that question, but then asking them, is there anything else we can help you with? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we come out? Can we come out and visit with you? Can we come out and do a training? Can we out, come out and show you how our systems work so that you can place an order and, 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 and feel comfortable placing that order? So there's a lot of hand-holding. There's a lot of, uh, you know, back and forth with our customers. And, and we enjoy that, and, and that's what our program is based on. Since acquisition is a fiduciary responsibility, the federal government business must be conducted with complete impartiality. Could you elaborate on efforts being pursued to ensure procurement integrity, making sure that proper standards of conduct, ethical, and legal requirements are being followed by the federal acquisition staff? Sure. So internally within my own staff, we um, – uh, encourage an enormous amount of training and require an enormous amount of training. All of our contracting officers are FACC uh, Level 3 certified, um, and they also are, um, you know, provided training on an annual basis on procurement integrity um, and, and uh, you know, go through an enormous amount of training. I mean, um, you know, I like to invest in people. Uh, our program is based on our people, um, and without good people, we're not able to provide the best service that we can provide. Um, so not only do we do that through our people, but we've built infrastructures within our IT system so that our customers use. So they can ensure that, they're, that every single order that goes through our contract is reviewed in our office. Um, the integrity is built in the system, but it also gets two sets of eyes in my office to two-level two review before it goes out. Um, to ensure that there's integrity built into it, to ensure that there's quality built into it. Um, because uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about trust. 
And we want to make sure that we maintain that trust with our customers. We also maintain that trust with our contract holders. And in order to maintain that trust, you have to run an organization that is, you know, integrity is the bottom line. Um, and, and so procurement integrity as well as, uh, you know, every other uh, type of integrity within our systems and within our people is, is important to us. Um, and, and, and I can't stress enough that, uh, you know, it, it is something that we emphasize on a, on a daily basis within our office is the, uh, the idea of, of trust and truth and, and, and to make sure that that's what our customers are feeling when they're, when they're uh, dealing with us. So, Rob, as you reflect on your career in public service, what advice would you give someone who's considering such a career? Having a career in the federal government is, is very rewarding. I believe that, uh, you know, somebody starting out in, in their federal career is very, sometimes very daunting. You, you're walking into an enormous <laughs> environment and, uh, you know, and, and every single, uh, you know, office that you could walk into the, in the federal government is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I believe that you need to find something that you're passionate about. Um, you need to, I encourage uh, new people to, uh, you know, find a mentor, you know, that you trust. Um, that you feel passionate about their commitment to what they're doing and, and really um, drive yourself and be committed to doing what you're passionate about. Um, and if you don't feel that where you are is the right place to be, look for the right place to be. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I had a, I've had a great federal career and I really enjoy it. And I really enjoy the, uh, you know, the ability to work with, you know, both industry and in government and it's very rewarding. Um, but there are a lot of opportunities out there for, for new people coming into the federal government, and I encourage them to do that. Uh, we're all, government's always looking for talented people, um, and, 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 and to come into the government and, as I said, uh, be passionate and be committed, and, and you'll be rewarded for that. And you're a good example of that. I can tell that from our conversation today, passion and commitments there. I want to thank you for your time today. But most importantly, Tom and I would like to thank you for your dedicated service to the country. Thank you very much. This has been the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with Rob Cohen, Director of the National Institutes of Health's Information Technology Acquisition and Assessment Center, NITAC. My co-host from IBM has been Tom Berkty. Be sure to join us next week for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government effectiveness. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan, and thanks for joining us. This has been the Business of Government Hour. Be sure to visit us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. There you can learn more about our programs and get a transcript of today's conversation. Until next week, it's businessofgovernment.org. What are DHS's key cybersecurity and communications priorities? What is the mission of the National Cybersecurity and Communications Integration Center, NCCIC? How is DHS building capacity to accelerate the sharing of cyber threats? Join host Michael Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Dr. Phyllis Schenek, Deputy Undersecretary, Cybersecurity and Communications, U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Tune in on Mondays at 11 a.m. for the Business of Government Hour on Federal News Radio 1500 a.m.